Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) Ah. Let's begin with a prayer and a blessing. I place my hand on my heart. Take that deep breath of gratitude. So grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to remember the truth. Remember our true identity. We're willing to forget that which no longer serves us. We're willing to fully detach from all the false beliefs. We are grateful and thankful that a life of love is what we are choosing. We are grateful to go the other way. We are grateful that within our awareness is pre-installed the way out of hell. We are grateful to take that stairway to heaven that this Pure love and light path is for us. We are grateful to give up the resistance and the reluctance to being our true selves and remembering our true nature. We are grateful to share the benefits with our brothers and sisters because we are forever one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. I'd just like to give a shout out to all the folks in Masterful Living and those who've been in Masterful Living. Uh, Right now, I'm having wonderful one-on-one conversations with folks in Masterful Living, and many of them found me through this podcast And so they're telling me how much the podcast means to them, and I really appreciate hearing that. I'll be honest with you, I do this podcast because really I I can't be quiet. (laughs) In case you haven't noticed, I just wish to shout from the rooftops how grateful I am for teachings of truth and for this path and to be on it because I was really in despair for a long time. And yes, I was on the spiritual path, but I still had a a high degree of despair and falling into uh, just a sense of why can't this ever work for me? What am I doing wrong? And so Learning how to live A Course of Miracles has profoundly changed my life. And I no longer have the problems I used to have. I used to really dwell on the thought every day, there's something really, really wrong with me. And I just can't seem to make this life work. And I felt as though there was some secret door that other people could find, but I couldn't find it. I felt like there was some secret path or teaching or opportunity that I just could not get to. I could not cognize it. I could not recognize it, recognize it. And that was the cause of my despair. Plus... I also had a tremendous sense of unwillingness, really, truly, a resistance and reluctance. And so that's why I'm so keen on this teaching of A Course in Miracles that is inviting us to cultivate willingness in order to release resistance and reluctance. I really had myself fooled in thinking that I was so willing, even though I was aware of how resistant and reluctant I was to follow the guidance that I was getting. 
Isn't that the craziness of the ego to be so aware of the resistance and reluctance at the same time to fool myself into thinking I was so willing when actually I wasn't? Ah, oh, Lordy. <laughs> so this this awakening experience that I'm having, that you're having, is so compelling to me. That is it is so beautiful. It is such a relief to recognize the grace of God is the field that we live and move and have our being in. And that grace is always available to me, to you, is so exciting to me. And that is why I feel I absolutely must share. I often use the word compelled, and and that is it. I feel compelled to share because these teachings are so precious and so valuable to me. And in the sharing of them, I get ever more clarity. So, today the topic is Depression Demolition, which is also the name of a program that I'm developing, that I'll be offering. I'm actually hoping that registration will uh, open today, and we're just working to get the details up on the website So if you're interested and you can't find the details on the website, you can always email us at admin at jenniferhadley.com. And you can also always go to the events page. The events page at jenniferhadley.com is pretty easy to find, but you also can text the word events to the number 53557. Text the word events to the number 53557. And if you'd like to get on my email list, my daily shot of spiritual espresso, you can subscribe by texting the word prayer to 53557. Text the word prayer to 53557. So those are just some ways to make it a little bit easier for you. And uh, speaking of depression and my new program that I'll start in May, just about a month from now, one of the things that I witness is many Course in Miracles students uh, either are depressed or have been depressed. It's very common for spiritual students to be depressed. And it makes sense as you begin to really study A Course in Miracles and live A Course in Miracles, it makes sense that depression is a common thing for spiritual students. In uh, chapter 10, section 5, right at the beginning, Jesus says, and, and this section is entitled, The Denial of God. Right at the beginning, he says, The rituals of the God of sickness are strange and very demanding. Joy is never permitted, for depression is the sign of allegiance to him. So by him, he means the God of sickness. So he's being facetious here. Uh, But let me say, one of the things that we're told in A Course in Miracles is that we have an issue with worshiping false idols. False idols can be anything that we idolize instead of God. So certainly it can be our body. Certainly, it can be our pets, our family members, uh, any anybody that we have placed above God. And it's easy to do because God is everywhere present, omnipresent, in and through everyone. So God is in our pets and our family members, our loved ones, because we are all part of God. But 
the idolization happens when we put that person above all others in our mind, in our mind. So it's one thing to say, well, this is my child. I'm going to give more care to my child than anyone else. Or this is my parent and I'm caring for my parents there. They need extra care. So yes, I'm giving them extra care. But it's really how do we hold them in our mind? Are they special? So specialness and idolization go together. So again, he's saying the rituals of the god of sickness are strange and very demanding. Joy is never permitted. For depression is the sign of allegiance to the god of sickness. Depression means that you have forsworn god. So what does it mean to forswear something? To forswear something is to take an oath uh, and to mean it very earnestly, to really um, be dedicated and committed. So depression means that you have forsworn God, that you've given up God in this earnest, oath-like manner. And for sure, for sure, for sure, people don't have any recollection of having done that. So how would we have gotten to a place where we have forsworn God and we don't even know it? And what keeps coming to me in my mind is the Prozac Nation. So remember that book came out because so many people were on Prozac, on antidepressants. And I do know quite a few people who are on antidepressants. And in spiritual community, it's... uh, considered sometimes uh, a failure that people are on antidepressants. It's shameful for people to use medicine and medications in some spiritual communities. I do not have any of those feelings about it. If I get a headache, I'm taking some aspirin, although I've had low-level headaches um, now for the past couple weeks pretty consistently and um, they're saying it might be related to 5G. So I'm not going down that road. I'm just mentioning that because I have not been taking aspirin for these low-level headaches. Okay, and just as an aside, I don't take aspirin for fevers because the fever is helpful. It's cooking the, the, the uh, virus, bacteria. Anyway, little little adjuncts there. (laughs) So how is it that we could have forsworn God and not remembered it? Well, I'll speak for myself. And I know there have been times when I, in my past, said, that person, I don't like them anymore. I'm done with them. I am essentially taking an oath to offload them from my life. I'm not going to care about them anymore. I'm not going to take an interest anymore. I used to do that. Now we call it ghosting. But yeah, I would just be like, okay, you're on my you-know-what list and my grievance list, and I am... uh, Put the, get thee behind me, Satan, <laughs> kind of an attitude. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that anymore, but I, had to, I have done it in the past. And, so, and I've had it done to me, of course. What you do to others will be done to you. So I have done it to others, and I've had it done to me. And to me, that's a way of forswearing God, to say, I'm not going to care about these people anymore. I'm not going to love these people anymore. It's one thing to say, okay, this relationship does not feel good, it does not feel healthy, it does not feel productive. Therefore, I'm taking a pause. So I've done that, taken a pause, but that's different. That's not cutting someone out of my life. That's saying right now it doesn't feel like it's good for us to spend time together. I'm taking a pause. I'm I'm not ending the relationship because I've 
had the awareness that it's not possible to end in a relationship between two beings who are eternal. How can you do that? We're eternally one with each other. How can you end a relationship? No, no, you can't do it. So I'm not going to try anymore. But I can say I'm taking a pause. And I do. I do. I think that's healthy. But if I'm holding it in my heart, then I am trying to block them from my loving heart. That is really separation. That is not healthy and not helpful. And so that is just one way that it seems to me that we could forswear God and not even realize it. We could say we hate somebody, we despise somebody, uh, we'd like to punish them. That would be a way to, in a sense, forswear God. Now he goes on in this paragraph at the beginning of section 5 in chapter 10, and he says, Many are afraid of blasphemy but they do not understand what it means. They do not realize that to deny God is to deny their own identity. And in this sense, the wages of sin is death. So when we deny the true identity of our brothers and sisters or ourselves, because we're all one, it's all the same, if we deny our own identity, which is that that Christ presence, then he is saying here, this is a denial of God, and it brings forth, a, I'll, I'll use the words, kind of death. And to me, depression seems to feel like a kind of death. Now, he says, the sense is very literal. Denial of life perceives its opposite, which is death. As all forms of denial replace what is with what is not. So if we deny God, then we are putting our attention on a godless experience, which would be the ego experience. Then he says, no one can really do this, but that you can think you can and believe you have is beyond dispute. So this is one of the things that we're grappling with in this world is this belief that we've edged God out, E-G-O. He then says, do not forget, however, that to deny God will inevitably result in projection, and you will believe that others, and not yourself, have done this to you. You must receive the message you give, because it is the message you want. You may believe that you judge your brother's by the messages they give you, but you have judged them by the message you give to them. So this is another way of saying it is done unto you as you believe. And what you do to others will be done to you. It's another way of saying that in my estimation. You must receive the message you give because it is the message you want. Remember, the messages you send to your brothers and sisters, the messages I send to my brothers and sisters, don't leave their source, which is my mind. So we're joined in mind. So I am subject to the thoughts I think even about others. So if I look at others and think that they're worthless, I can absolutely know, I ought to know, that I am thinking that about myself and projecting it onto them. He says, do not attribute your denial of joy to them, to others, or you cannot see the spark in them, that would bring joy to you. 
It is the denial of the spark that brings depression. For whenever you see your brothers without it, you are denying God. So when we look at our brothers and sisters and think that they're incompetent, think that they're worthless, think that they're unlovable, we are denying our own lovability. We're denying the spark in them, so we must be denying it in ourselves. Now, earlier in the course, uh, what one of the things that Jesus tells us, and this is in chapter 4, section 4, entitled, This Need Not Be. I always remember this. He says here, among other things, he says, when you are sad, no, this need not be. Depression comes from a sense of being deprived of something you want and do not have. Remember that you are deprived of nothing except by your own decisions and then decide otherwise. When you are sad, know this need not be. And sad and depression are different, and this I recognize. Uh, I, I don't know that they were necessarily considered different at the time that this was originally written down. But they are now. And one of the things I've learned about feeling sad, because I used to feel quite sad a lot of the time, and uh, that's not my experience anymore. But sadness is, a mis- is based on a misperception. And all unpleasant emotion is based on a misperception. That's why Jesus is telling us here, this need not be. Now, this is a challenging one, and all of this teaching on depression in the Course is challenging for us. It challenges us to rise up in our awareness and value the truth more than the, the story that we have made up. So in this section, this need not be, one of the things he talks about is, I've said that you cannot change your mind by changing your behavior. But I've also said, and many times, that you can change your mind. When your mood tells you you have chosen wrongly, and this is so whenever you're not joyous, then know this need not be. So I call this teaching the divine alarm clock, that when we're upset, when we're bothered, when we're not joyous or wholly joyous, as he says in another section, it's because we're choosing to think thoughts that aren't true. And we think that we can change our mind by changing our behavior. So for instance, Uh, Many people think that they can lose weight and keep it off by changing their behavior. But it's really, you have to change your mind about things. So that your mind change is the reason for the behavior change. Otherwise, it doesn't stick. And the same is true for depression and emotional upset. We think that we're upset or depressed sometimes because of what's going on in the world. That that is what is upsetting us. But it's just never true. It's always that our thoughts are upsetting us. It's our thoughts about the world that upset us. That's why Jesus begins this whole Course in Miracles journey with saying, seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. That's how we can have happiness, is we give up the root causes of depression. And then joy is our natural state. So it's about a great cultivating a great willingness to look at how have we forsaken God? Where have we forsaken God? Because it's not something that we do once and then that's done. It's something that we're continuing to do every day. And we do it at the level of the mind. So that's why my entire focus in my 
my life, in my programs, in this podcast, is not in changing behavior, but in changing our minds. One of the reasons why I'm getting ready to offer this depression course is because I do encounter so many people who have chronic depression for decades. And many do come into Masterful Living and they have tremendous results, life-changing results. And then with the help of their doctors, they are able to uh, decrease their uh, medications and go off them. Uh, People have told me, oh my gosh, I saved three times the cost of tuition in one year just because of what I saved on medications. So we're working at the level of the mind, and that's where the healing happens. So know that you can do this too. We have the same guidebook. All right. Well, it's time for me to take a break. Uh, remember, anything I ever talk about is at jenniferhadley.com or livingacourseofmiracles.com. Right now, you're listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk and living the love, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Thank you for coming back. (laughs) Oh, I am really filled with gratitude in this moment to be able to address this depression topic. It's so dear to me. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, The first time that I did Finding Freedom, it was called Finding, it was called Family Freedom. Now it's called Finding Freedom from Fear with A Course of Miracles. And uh, it's my spiritual boot camp class. But the first time I offered it was in 2008. And I, at the end of it, uh, it's a 90-day program. At the end of it, I got a message from someone in the group who said to me, Jennifer, I didn't tell anyone this, and I haven't told anyone this, but prior to taking Finding Freedom, I had made a decision. I had made up a, a plan. I decided that... If finding freedom didn't work for me, this was the last thing I was going to try, and that I had tried so many things, and none of them had worked for me, and I was still depressed and miserable, that I was going to take my life, that I had given it my best shot. If finding freedom didn't work, I wasn't going to feel I needed to keep going, trying to find something. But Finding Freedom did work, and I'm amazed at how much better I feel, and I don't think I'm ever going back. Now, obviously, I can't do that for someone else, but I can go on the journey with them, and I can hold them literally in my mind. I can hold them in my heart and in a sense, metaphorically, especially because we're on Zoom these days, we were on the phone back then, I can hold their hand. And that is really what I see my life is for. This is what it talks about in the Manual for Teachers of A Course of Miracles, that the form of the curriculum that the teachers of God are teaching, people need to see them. They need to be in a body so people can see them physically, hear their voice, and connect with them in this physical world of form. And prior to that first offering of Finding Freedom all those years ago, I I was teaching workshops. I'd been teaching classes and workshops and retreats since 1997. And... 
I, with the Finding Freedom course, though, it was different because I, it was just different. I, I was teaching a liberation program, and that, that's my thing. Inspiration for liberation, that's my thing. And living an inspired life. So not being motivated by the pain, not being motivated by the unhappiness and the difficulties, not being motivated by the failures, which we are all, including myself, but to move from that place in our consciousness to the place in consciousness where we are inspired to live a life of God, with God, as God, in God, about God. That's my thing. And so finding freedom was the first time that I offered a program that was about that, and it was really focused on that, and I saw the immediate results one of the people who was in that first group is now uh, a minister and teaching and training other ministers. It, it, and is, was it because it was such a powerful group? People contact me all the time and they say, what I got out of your program, it helped me to let go of that resistance and that reluctance. And so this is why I like to gather people together where we can actually connect. I, I can tell you, um, I every year I consult with some different marketing people to try and figure out basically how I cannot think about marketing anymore. <laughs> because it, it's something, we, we you can't just create programs and not tell people about them. So you do have to tell people about them. And I do believe that what ministry is, is it is marketing the efficacy, the efficiency, the productivity, the beauty, the, the life-changing benefits of living by spiritual principle. I believe that that is part of what ministering is. It is the li- being the living demonstration. That's marketing. So that's the kind of marketing I'm interested in. What Jesus talked about in the Bible when he said, if I be lifted up, I draw all unto me. That is the kind of marketing that I teach to folks who are in my training programs. That is the way to market yourself. And those who do, uh, uh, knock it out of the box, a park. They knock it out of the park for sure because... It's in the living of it that it reverberates throughout the universe, and people will find you. Uh, one of the things I'm doing right now with the, the new folks in Masterful Living this year, which, by the way, registration is closed till next year, uh, and uh, just in, in case you're looking, but we can make sure that you know about it next year if you just tell us that that's what you're interested in. But... I always ask them, how did you find me? How did you find me? Because I, I, while I do put an effort into marketing, I'm, uh, I try to make it as minimal of my time and energy as possible. And it's always amazing how a fair percentage of people say, you know, I ask myself that sometimes. How did I find this woman? How did I find her? I don't remember and so I know spirit has a way of connecting us. And that connection is very, very precious to me. So what I know is these principles work when we apply them. And what I've learned from my own life experiments and experience is that I... Do better in a group. I do better in a group. I like to go to retreats. I like to go to gatherings. I like to have meetings. So, for instance, um, back when I first started having prayer partners back in the 90s at Agape, I 
said to my prayer partners, hey, how about if we have dinner once a month? And so uh, I, I helped to unite my prayer partners and so that we were a small group and we started having dinner and we'd have, uh, we'd have a whole time for prayer and discussion and talk and, um, and then we'd have dinner and then we'd, we'd also, we'd pray some more. So we had these prayerful gatherings, so much fun. These are still my very dearest friends in the world. And then in, um, oh, I think it was around 2006, something like that. Uh, actually, no, maybe probably 2003 or four. I started having uh, another monthly gathering with my prayer partners, one that was not dinner time, but daytime. And we were doing creative, beautiful, um, like a, a, we do a, a mini workshop and, and take, oh, from like 10 to four, six hours with a lunch in the middle. And we meet at somebody's house. And uh, so it was very creative, playful, delightful. And that's that, That's my thing, is getting people together. And then uh, when my mom was so sick and I was spending a lot of time, extended periods in Maine, and I felt like, okay, I can't miss these prayer partner gatherings. Uh, there was no Zoom then. So this is 2006. Seven-ish, um, I said to my prayer partners, how about if we have a weekly phone gathering? It may have even been before that. I don't remember. But I said, how about a, a weekly phone gathering? So we started doing weekly phone gatherings where each one of us would share for four minutes, five minutes, and then we'd pray. One of us would pray for the whole group. Start us off with a prayer, each one shares, end us with a prayer. And then about every couple of months, we'd have a longer gathering, 90 minutes or something like that, on the phone. Because I, I couldn't get back to L.A. I was with my family, with my parents. So somehow Spirit is leading this to the depression. <laughs> I'm trusting, I'm flowing here, because I hadn't intended to say any of this. And I've shared bits of this before, for sure, because it's a, it's an it's an extremely integral part of my life, and uh, and I'm happy to share my life. Obviously, it's all a divine experiment, and so then, so we were doing that from 2006, let's say, and then in 2020. In March, with the pandemic, I said to everybody, let's go to Zoom. We've been on the phone all these years. Let's go to Zoom. We're all on Zoom now. And we would have Zoom meetings like every couple of months, those 90-minute meetings. We had moved those to Zoom. But our weekly calls were still on the phone. So I said, let's go to Zoom. And somebody said, let's make it an hour. So in, in, in the lockdown experience... Uh, we were all, all over the world, feeling deprived of our friends and being able to gather with our friends and relations. So we started doing two one-hour gatherings in March of 2020. And as I'm broadcasting this, it's April of 2021. We're still doing two one-hour gatherings uh, because we're all still living pretty fairly limited, isolated lives. For sure, I am up here in Vermont. There's nothing to do and nowhere to go except out in nature. So, But getting together with people is just, it's not really happening. So uh, I'm sure that's going to change. So I say all this because for me, gathering people together, doing the work together, and, and having a sense of accountability asking others to pray and hold us in prayer and having that prayerful foundation that we have in our community that is so important to me, it, it, it is completely transformative 
because it keeps us going back to God, back to God, back to God. In the Power of Love ministry, for the people who are in the programs, we have uh, people who meet for prayer every three hours. Anybody in the programs can go. It's not open to people outside the programs. It's a highly safe space. People can say exactly what's going on with them. And we meet every three hours, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we've been doing it for a year now. And it is deeply transformative because part of what is so and depressing in this world for people is they feel deprived of spiritual connection. They feel deprived of loving connection. They feel that it's like, how do I get it? I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to give it, and I don't know how to get it. Um, and I know for me, I used to hold so many grievances in my heart. I am still weeding my garden of my heart for the grievances and the grudges and the things that I my mind goes to withholding love. When we withhold love, it's like withholding all the nutrients. It's like withholding the sun. It's like withholding the all the elements that we need to grow. So it'd be like trying to keep a plant alive, but you're not giving it any sun, you're not giving it any fertilizer, and you're not giving it any water, or you're just giving it just a little tiny bit. That plant might be able to hold on, but it, it, it might not. Some will wither and die and some won't. And some may be able to just maintain, but some are going to go downhill. And people are just like that because the light of the sun is the Christ light in our own mind. So we cannot get it from other people, but we can share it with other people. And they can ignite the spark in us by seeing it. And that is the gift that we can give to our brothers and sisters, is seeing what's happening within them, meaning seeing the Christ happening within them and not denying it. But many folks who are depressed, one of the things that's going on is they're believing that they it's not in them and it's not in others that it's somehow missing, but nothing is missing. By the way, Nothing's Missing is a beautiful song by my dear friend Renee Stahl, uh, S-T-A-H-L, and you can find uh, her music wherever you get music. She's half of the duo, Renee and Jeremy, who make beautiful, beautiful, uplifting songs for children and families, but Renee also has wonderful music on her own. She has a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites called Nothing's Missing. And nothing is missing from us, but we do come to believe that something is missing. But you know what it really is? Is it's that we have forsaken our beloved, which is the beloved spirit. So... Nothing is missing, but we still feel deprived. But we are the ones who have done it to ourselves. And the thing is, is not to blame ourselves. It's, a, it's, it's an exploration in consciousness. There's no blame. It's just, oh, wow, look what happens when I stop watering the plant. Huh, I guess I need to really focus on watering that plant, making sure that plant gets watered. I have a lot of plants in my home, so it's like, oh, I'm constantly watering the plants because otherwise they will be deprived. And so, and and they, they in, in return, they give oxygen. But even if they didn't give oxygen, if even if they didn't share their beauty, their presence, their presence in my life is uplifting and inspiring. Uh, one of the experiments that I sometimes invite people to do is to get three identical plants. It's easy to do, especially in springtime. Three small plants, you know, you can get them, I don't know, at uh, a simple place, but n not not uh, necessarily a 
kind of plant that you need to plant out in the garden. Not like one of those six packs or something, but three little small plants that are essentially identical in nature. Uh, you know, it, the, the more identical they are, the better. And then put put them in the same kind of condition. So give them the same water, same amount of sunlight, that kind of thing. But put them in different places in your home. And one of them, every day, just go over to it, like I've got all these orchids around me, and I say, oh my gosh, look at you. You are just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing your beauty with me. I love and appreciate you. They love being in this prayerful environment, this high vibration environment. And I realized the other day that I singed one of them with my candle. I didn't realize it was over the candle and getting the heat from the flame. So, of course, I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, my friend. I'm sorry. You're so beautiful. I love you. And uh, then take one of the other plants and um, don't say anything to it. Just ignore it. Just water it, but ignore it. And then the third one, if you can, I, I can't I can't do it, but you, you you might be able to do it. And this is a great experiment to do with kids, young kids especially. Say to the plant uh, mean things, uh, disrespectful, unkind things. And um, just watch how the plants behave and see what difference it makes how you treat the plant. Well, we're like that too. We're plants. We're divine seeds planted in this cosmic soil, growing to the light towards the sun, right? And we, sometimes we get confused and we turn away from the sun. And so then we become misshapen. But the good news is, it is all a divine experiment, and no matter how far we've gone along one road, we can always make a turn. We can go the other way. And that's literally what I did. I realized back in my 20s that I was living my life with the light to my back. I had turned away from the light of my own being. And... uh I didn't realize what was happening, but because I was so mean and judgmental, constantly criticizing, complaining, attacking in my mind, if not out loud, uh, shaming other people, blaming everybody for how I felt, so much negativity I was spewing, I didn't realize that I had come to hate myself, a deep self-hatred. And it was... What, what led me to a feeling I wanted to take my own life. I didn't want to live anymore. So coming back from that, fortunately, my higher self had me focus on one thing and one thing only, which was to love myself. But I did not know how. And I didn't have a community of people I could join, really, who did know how, who could help me and love me and support me through it. I think this is one of the most beautiful things I see in our Masterful Living community is that people get so much out of it and they're so grateful that they are bursting at the seams to pass it along and to share it with others. And so their their growth and their awakening exponentially accelerates when they start sharing because that is how it works to have, give all to all. So what better place to practice non-judgment and compassion than in a group of like-minded souls? So that's what a study group can be. And one of the things that I'll be talking about coming up, I had no idea I was going to say this today, but I am going to say it. Uh, I'm working on a program we call Miracle Circles, uh, study groups on Zoom. And uh, if you have a study group, you can list it right now at livingacoursemiracles.com. If you have a study group, please list it on our study group map. Let us help you 
share it, and promote it. There's no cost to list it. We've invested all the money in the infrastructure, and we're doing the same with the Miracle Circles. So we're going to be training people to host these Course of Miracles groups that are going to be focused on living A Course of Miracles, not just studying it, but really living it, because it's the practical application that transforms our lives. Now, in Chapter 4, as I said in the Need Do Nothing, when you are sad, know this need not be. Depression comes from a sense of being deprived of something you want and do not have. Remember that you are deprived of nothing except by your own decisions and then decide otherwise. So for me, I I gathered people around me to support me and to offer support to them because I was feeling deprived of the love and it was through my experiences of giving and receiving love with my prayer partners that I really really learn to stop withholding love and to be genuinely loving and I I learned to give up the shame now they weren't practicing all at the same level I was and the same commitment that I was we had you know different experiences that way but I'm telling you, get a group of people. Find a group of like-minded souls who'd like to do this work with you. Be the ringleader if you must. (laughs) Get a partner and go for it. Because this is how we cure depression. And then there are all other kinds of practices that we can use to speed it up. Oh, well, this totally went in a direction I didn't expect it to go, and I think I need to do a part two on this topic, so we'll see about that. And in the meantime, I'm so grateful for those of you who support this podcast. If you do value it, please support it. Uh, you can sign up for the Course of Miracles text messages at acimtexts.com or jenniferhadley.com, livingacourseofmiracles.com. And uh, you can easily create a monthly contribution. In the meantime, we're grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to remember to love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mm -hmm.